Welcome to the Retail Exchange Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Retail Exchange Podcast, coming to you from Shop Talk Europe 2023 in Barcelona. In this episode, we pick our way through some of the highlights from day two at the event. Getting ahead of trends is something that we will always be trying to stay close from a customer research perspective, from an insight in trends and market market information, you know. You have to make sure you're staying ahead to be able to set your space up and your stores in a way that customers will, you, you know, you're setting yourself up fit, fit for the future. The way we think about the question ultimately is the value equation. And so, you know, ultimately, whichever way you look at it and whatever the state of the economic environment we're in, Consumers will have tipping points where they'll either engage or, or won't engage. But if we think about it from a branded point of view, we're here to make sure that we can serve value in the basket that, that the consumers buy into. We're back to bring you highlights of what was on show and discussed during what was another busy day at Shop Talk Europe 2023. We hear from some of the sharpest minds in retail at some of Europe's leading retailers and brands as they discuss, debate and present the solutions that are redefining thinking in an ever-shifting landscape. Coming up on this day two event review episode, we hear from the likes of Group Pronton, Mars Wrigley, BP, Kingfisher, Sprinter, Coca-Cola and more. Here's the episode. Leading Spanish sports retailer Sprinter opened its new store concept in Madrid last week. The 4,000 square meter space is its largest store to date, raising the bar significantly with the introduction of an extended true sport range and introducing a range of immersive and interactive experiences to educate and inspire their customers. I sat down with Sprinter Creative Director, E-Commerce and Retail, Eduardo Recio, to learn more. We've got uh, the categories of running, football, training, but also we're expanding to other new categories uh, like basketball, swimming, racket tennis. We have the stadium that you can jump in your football boots, score some goals, try. It's a kind of really, really nice uh, gaming gamification. We have the running track, you can jump as well in your, in your training or your running shoes and give a run, try, test it. Shop floor is, is, a, is a top shop, absolutely, with all the experiences as well and, and all, the product, all the product range. The first day that we've been there and, and the opening, it was a queue of people trying to jump into running track to try the, and test the, the, the shoes. It was, it was quite good, actually. It was a surprise for us because, obviously, when you do, when you do this kind of experiences, you always have your doubts. But once you see up and running, people engaging with it, I, that, is, that is quite nice to see. If you think that department stores have had their day, think again. The reference of French elegance for 150 years, Prontum is breathing new life into the concept, most recently with the launch of its new store in Doha at the end of 2022. This, the largest luxury department store in the Middle East. Here on day two at Shop Talk Europe, I sat down with Prontum CEO Jean-Marc Belèche to discuss the success factors and strategies for creating a next generation department store and to look ahead as the retailer prepares to open more international stores in the months ahead. You know, I'm very optimistic, otherwise I would not have taken the, the challenge of becoming the CEO of Printemps. Um, I think you have to get back to the consumer, to the clients, and how they shop, and what are, the, what are their behaviors in, in shopping. And in fact, 
I think multi-brand is a very natural way of shopping and has a future because it fits really deeper client needs. Also, I think department store, you know, we talk a lot about experience in retail, retailtainment. Uh, we have some amazing assets with those big stores, especially Printemps, with terraces, with views of Paris, with domes, with cupolas. And, and I think in terms of wow and uh, exceptional experience, uh, you know, we, we have those assets to leverage that maybe smaller stores or different players cannot uh, leverage. So for those reasons, both the experience that consumers are looking for and also the deeper needs for multi-brand, I think a department store have a big card to play. And then, of course, uh, there is the physical side of things and the digital side of things. And this is where I'm trying to also transform Printemps to bring more e-commerce and more omnichannel. On-demand delivery is evolving with an eye towards profitability. And small store retailers are developing new formats, capabilities and partnerships to prepare for the future. Matthew Price, General Manager, UK, Ireland and Northern Europe, at delivery platform Uber Eats, explained how the brand is bringing the next generation of convenience offerings to market to satisfy consumers' evolving demands. The way we think about the question ultimately is the value equation. And so, you know, ultimately, whichever way you look at it and whatever the state of the economic environment we're in, consumers will have tipping points where they'll either engage or, or won't engage. But if we think about it from a branded point of view, we're here to make sure that we can serve value in the basket that, that the consumers buy into. I mean, for us, we, we think about now delivering convenience in a very different way. And so actually, if we think about it, the need for organizations to work very differently to access consumer moments where we can deliver value through convenience. I think that's a, a shared responsibility. So I think the, the thing I often talk about is same day is the new next day. And you know how we think about it at, at Uber is 10 years ago, you wouldn't have thought you could push a button and get a ride. You know, only five years ago, the idea of kind of clicking a button, getting your favorite meal delivered in 30 minutes, not something you thought of. And you know, this shift is now here in grocery and it's very quickly coming in retail and your everyday essentials. Kind of the, the time scales are compressing. We believe the reason is, you know, merchants are embracing this. They're embracing it because it drives incrementality. Our research shows, you know, 50% of consumers say they'd order more from their favorite retailer if they offered a same-day option. And at the same time, it addresses a key consumer pain point, which is these abandoned carts. Um, something, something in the ballpark of 45% of consumers say they actually stopped their purchase because the delivery time was too long or you know, it wasn't transparent enough. So Uber's playing in this space, um, both bringing merchants into our marketplace and offering them white label, same day delivery. Our grocery business is growing very quickly. Um, so uh, we had our earnings announcement last week, um, 5 billion of annualized bookings, 35% uh, year on year growth. There's a lot of demand there. And, and what we've done is we built a grocery business that's not only serving the likes of Sainsbury's and Tesco and Carrefour, mm -hmm. um, they're in our marketplace. You can come to the Uber Eats app, you can get those products. But you know, increasingly we're partnering with QuickCommerce. GoPuff is in the marketplace in the UK. Um, in the US, we're actually doing the last mile delivery for GoPuff. We pride ourselves on true partnership, understanding what a brand's objectives are and how we can leverage you know, our scale and our competence to help. We help generate the volumes that they need to run efficient operations. Um, we, you know, we bring them consumers. Um, we have millions of consumers in our marketplace already. You know, and we do for them what is arguably one of the most complicated things to do, which is run a really efficient, reliable, quick delivery network. And you know, that, that we know the unit economics work for us, and that helps make the unit economics work for them. 
Today's consumers are redefining convenience based around their needs, rather than as a grocery channel. To be convenient and relevant, brands need to be present wherever and whenever the consumers want them, as Neil Reynolds' Global VP Digital Strategy at Mars Wrigley explained on stage. It's been a super dynamic world in the last year or so, as we've heard many times over the course of the last day, and I'm sure we're here tomorrow as well. So, um, you know, when we think about convenience as a branded FMCG supplier, I guess the journey we're on is all around trying to shift our mentality around convenience is not necessarily just the place that purchase happens. It is not just the store format. It is not just the place where the physical product goes through the till. But, but actually, to truly win in, in next-gen convenience, we need to shift our mindset to be thinking about convenience as a need or, or a, a consumer journey and then how that means we show we need to show up differently with our brands the, the way we think about the question ultimately is the value equation and so you know ultimately whichever way you look at it and whatever the state of the economic environment we're in consumers will have tipping points where they'll either engage or, or won't engage but if we think about it from a branded point of view we're here to make sure that we can serve value in the basket that, that the consumers buy into i mean for us we, we think about now delivering convenience in a very different way and so actually if we think about it the need for organizations to work very differently to access consumer moments where we can deliver value through convenience i think that's a, a shared responsibility as a branded snacking manufacturer we think a lot about impulse and we think about, you know, the moment of impulse being triggered through a prompt somewhere, whatever that might be. So to be able to fulfill as many of those impulse moments as we possibly can, we want the product as close to the point of consumption as it possibly could be. Um, so if we think about that challenge of having our product as close to the point of consumption as possible, there are so many more things we can do. So we think about, well, actually, the moment of impulse might not be, let's just I now have a need to, I have an impulse pull and I want mm -hmm. to consume something, I go out and buy a product. But actually, the impulse moment could be, I've already got something in my pantry and that moment of impulse is now triggered because guess what? I did my big top-up shop and I've got certain products in the pantry. We now need to trigger that moment of impulse in a very different way through social media. Um, that might be that actually we need to think about how we can bring together a more sophisticated convenience network of operators to service maybe the more emerging part of our trade through mom and pop stores in some of our fragmented markets. More than 60% of our business globally would still be through mom and pops and what we would call traditional or fragmented trade. Well, actually, if we can have in-stock M&Ms and Snickers and Mars, etc., in mom and pop stores in Latin America, in Asia, in Africa, we're at that point of purchase. And I think, again, there's an opportunity to use partnerships that we have, for example, mm -hmm. a 7-Eleven partnership where they could service the, the other less sophisticated, fragmented trade players that we want to get to through immediate delivery. So there's a speed and delivery of impulse, which is super important. What are the key merchandising challenges that are facing grocery retailers right now? That was one of the topics being discussed on stage here at Shop Talk Europe, featuring Morrison's Head of Space, Range and Merchandising, Alex Smith. I caught up with her on the podcast booth to find out how, in her role, she is making sense of an increasingly complex discipline. Getting ahead of trends is something that we will always be trying to stay close from a customer research perspective from an insight in trends and market market information, you know. You have to make sure you're staying ahead to be able to set your space up and your stores in a way that customers will, you, you know, you're setting yourself up fit for the future. And like most retailers, we will be going through these uh, changes each year to refresh our space and stores. And in those moments, we make sure we do a full analysis review of actually what 
category to get what space and have we got it right based off what today is, but also ultimately what we're going to try and achieve in, in the next five to 10 years. The last three years has been quite challenging. You know, COVID had a bit of a dynamic shift in how customers were shopping from our traditional bricks and mortar and a huge rapid expansion to online. And we had to adapt really quickly. That being said, that's sort of settled again and we're getting back to normal dynamics and people are back in stores. But it's inflation now that's having a bigger impact on the shopping trip. They're now trading the categories also differently. So there has been a shift more into own label. But interestingly, different tiers within own label. So the entry price point doing very well, but also the premium element is also in growth. So customers are actually making decisions now around... I guess, being a bit more mindful of their, their shopping. It was interesting. Some of the other uh, speakers have been to see. There was Diageo this morning that were talking about premiumization and how actually premiumization, the super premium, is in growth. And it's something that we're definitely seeing as well, where actually, you know, the quantity might not be the same people were going for. They're not necessarily having as much to drink, but they are wanting better quality products. So they are consciously making decisions about how they spend. Moving from grocery retailers offering thousands of products all under one roof to marketplaces next. One company that knows a thing or two about harnessing the transformational power of the marketplace is the aptly named Australian-based Marketplacer, who are exhibiting at ShopTalk Europe this year. Offering a scalable platform that provides everything you need to operate efficiently, sell more and grow your business through an e-commerce marketplace model, Marketplacer has helped to connect thousands of buyers and sellers across the globe. And now it has its eyes firmly set on rapid European expansion. I spoke with the company's VP of Solutions Engineering, Luke Hilton, to learn more. So I'm in conversation here with Luke Hilton, who is the VP Solution Engineer for Marketplacer. And Luke, I believe you're based in the UK. That is correct. Yeah, so Marketplacer is originally founded in Australia, had great success in our region, and we're now in Europe looking to repeat that success over here. And we're doing so off the back of some very big wins uh, within the UK uh, and within mainland Europe. We're a software as a service platform. A great example of, of our customers could be a retailer or an existing brand that has a direct-to-consumer B2C experience. Our marketplacer is plugged into their existing e-commerce infrastructure and helps them sell things they don't own. So they use our platform for finding third-party sellers and suppliers, onboarding them, and ultimately selling products that they don't own. And what are some of the common problems that retailers have that your software, you know, fixes? Yeah, well, look, I mean, traditional retail, uh, and I've come out of a pretty uh, diverse background. I've, I've worked within e-commerce in, in one of Australia's largest retailers. The reality of retail is buyer finds a product, they agree, they purchase amount of stock, they warehouse, they put the stock on shelves, but there's a big, big capital outlay on the hope of that product being successful. So a bad example would be buying a product that doesn't take off, having to mark those products down and sell it at a loss. But again, if you think about an omni-channel retailer, they spend so much money on their stores, the e-commerce experience, the staff to man the stores and ultimately the stock as well. With Marketplacer, it allows them to have a lot of flexibility with their retail model. So they can be finding third-party sellers and suppliers, onboarding products into their ecosystem, and selling products that they don't actually have to buy in advance. 
So essentially you're helping to be a facilitator really bringing brands and buyers together. Yeah, yeah, and so some of the most successful marketplaces that we work on, it's really about curated range extension. So you'll hear a lot in retail where people talk about the endless aisle, you know, making sure you have all the products that are available. I agree to that in a point, but a lot of our more successful marketplaces, uh, Woolworths, Australia's last, largest, biggest supermarket, they're a great example of curated range extension. So looking at complementary products to their existing groceries, fresh fruit, vegetables that make sense to their consumers that are visiting them every other day. So it could be small appliances, it could be gift hampers, a number of different things. As you're expanding in Europe, you clearly wanted to be here, but why has it been important for you to come to Shop Talk in Barcelona? What are you getting out of it? Well, I mean, really, really for us is we have an amazing uh, brand presence in Australia. We've done exceptionally well. We're, we're supporting some of the largest retailers and brands in our region. We've grown that success in North America as well. Um, and then again, off the back of a number of different wins in this region, we're setting up shop here. So we're here today purely to get to a better understanding of the market and for, as a branding exercise as well, which has been great. We've had many, many amazing conversations with retailers, uh, potential sellers and suppliers. The key question is, do you have your swim shorts with you for the party tonight? I do indeed. I've got an amazing pair of what we call Okanui's, which are um, with toucans, pineapples, and it's a very tropical approach that I'm gonna be taking tonight. Wow. I'm looking forward to seeing Craig David in the flesh. And will you be taking a dip? Uh, well, yeah, more, more than likely. If I have maybe one or two too many shandies, I could be convinced for a jump in. Data is king for retail, but can retailers leverage data effectively throughout their organisations? Investing in analytics tools to convert data into useful insights is one way, but increasingly, retailers must also focus on enabling their employees if they are to unlock the full value of their data resources, as Kingfisher PLC Global Data Director Tom Betts explained on stage. When I came to retail two and a half years ago, I came from the media industry and I worked at the Financial Times. And there I built the first real-time analytics tools. In fact, I built three tools the time I was there. They all contained exactly the same data. The first tool just gave some data to some people in the newsroom to optimize the homepage. Ten people used it regularly. The second tool we invested in the design and the user experience because we thought it was important. And then 30 people used the tool. The third tool, we went and we built it with the journalists and we said, show us your language. Actually, let's, let's present the information in a way you want to see it. And 300 people used the tool regularly. So the data was exactly the same, but all that changed was the visualization and the process we went through. So at Kingfisher, this taught me that actually it really matters that we bring the teams together, business teams, data teams, and technical teams working together in a completely cross-functional approach. We've got to bring the subject matter experts into the picture to help them and to help all of us be jointly accountable for the delivery of the commercial outcomes. So my recommendation is if you want to drive adoption of the capabilities you're building, then build them together with the people who are going to use them. 
Staying with the topic of data, we joined up with Tierge Brennickmeyer, Executive Vice President for EMEA at Bloomreach, on their stand to find out how his company is helping retailers and brands connect your two of the most powerful sources of data, customer and product, to bring personalization to life across every channel and to gather some of our own data about how successful Shop Talk Europe 2023 is proving for those exhibiting at the event. TJ, how has the event been for you so far? Obviously, great to be in Barcelona, and there's a lot of crowd, or it's a big crowd, and you can see that at least we had a really interesting meeting. So yeah, it has been really good for us. And for those who don't know Bloomreach, what do you do? We personalize the entire commerce experience. So basically from the start of your journey, from your email you send out, your SMS, uh, every touch point you have with your customers, we personalize that based on customer data and product data. Throughout the end, when you're on the shopping or your website and you want to look for a product, we deliver that search experience, we deliver all the content. So the entire commerce experience is powered by, by Bloomage. These days, so much of business is done remotely, Teams, Zoom, people are using email all the time. Why is it important to attend an event like Shop Talk? Yeah, good question. Uh, we are a remote first company ourselves. So uh, nowadays, yeah, we're really used to work within Zoom. But in the end, you want to have that personal connection to be able to, to really build that relationship. So it's great to be at events like this. You have one of the coolest booths. Uh, the stand here is really impressive. What was the thinking behind this? Yeah, so, so we like to stand out. Uh, in our view, that's always what you should do. It's not about standing up a commerce experience, but it's how you stand out, how you deliver an experience. So we have a, a bus. And when you look at your, your journey as a customer or as, as a commerce organization, you have these stops along the way where you are going for an, for an omni-channel experience or you deliver um, yeah, a more personalized experience. Uh, at the same time, we're doing a lot in the travel industry. So we basically combine the, the, the stop metaphor with uh, the bus to, uh, to, be, uh, yeah, to really stand out from, from the traditional stand. Thank you so much, TJ. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. As consumers are shifting more of their spending online, retailers are looking for new revenue streams, while brand advertisers are looking for new ways to track customers amid tighter privacy constraints. Attendees at day two here at ShopTalk heard from Simon Miles, VP Global Omnichannel Commercial Strategy at the Coca-Cola Company, who joined a panel session on stage to share insight into how the brand is evaluating its options based on reach, customer base and the potential to generate ROI. There's kind of three or four big areas I think that, that we think is, is the key way to think about it. So the, the first one is, I think this is the, probably the biggest collaboration opportunity for the industry that has seen in a long time. Because as I see it, no one has all the answers, right? So whether you're a retailer, whether you're an agency, whether you're a brand, we're all kind of trying to figure out what this looks like. And so that's certainly one area. I think clarity of objectives is another one. So there's a lot of talk around data and availability of data. And for me, I don't see the clarity yet. There's each, metric, each sort of network is doing it in a slightly different way. So no consistency. And I think that's the other piece is around how do we get more consistency into this space so that people can compare across networks, for example. And you know, we're all kind of doing the best job for the consumers at the end of the day, which is if we don't get it right for consumers, none of us win. 
And we sort of look at it in three levels, actually, which is you've got the exec level to kind of get clear on, you know, making the right decisions, thinking about resourcing and structure and those kind of areas. And then you've got the practitioners, the, the likes of us who are kind of making this work. How do we get the knowledge embedded in the organization? And then, you know, the third layer is, what about everybody else, all the support functions and everybody else? You need them at least to have a common understanding of what this space is. It's, it's a really tricky area, I think, because where this can go to is, if you think in a very broad sense, this is about end-to-end, -end, right? Retail media plays a part in a much broader piece for us as a brand. So how do you reach people? How do you inspire them? How do you make them fall in love with your brand? And ultimately, how do you get them to purchase and transact? And so it's part of that journey for us. And so it involves a lot of different people. Budgets are sitting in lots of different places. That makes it really tricky. And, and so we started to unpick this kind of a couple of years ago. We, um, we actually took more of an academic approach. Um, so we partnered up with, with the Walton Business School, part of the University of Arkansas. And in fact, my good friend, Dr. Molly Roper, is in the, in the room. He was one of the professors who worked on that paper. It's well worth checking out, because what they did is they interviewed senior execs in CPG companies and retailers and agencies to take a look at what the reality is versus the promise of retail media networks. And one of the big things that uncovered was this organizational silos are a real barrier on both sides. So it's completely mirrored in our organization, right, where we've got marketing people starting to have to have conversations about commercial stuff and we've got commercial teams who are not equipped to have media conversations and so that kind of need to think differently and think about re-engineering some of the conversations how do we interact together to build the joint plan we need different people at the table from the ones who've been there in the past and so it is a real challenge for us we're definitely not through that journey you know we've started to re-engineer some of our processes to deal with that so thinking more upstream you know content and different things to how we flow that through the organization how that comes in at the right time for us to have the right conversations with our retail partners and you know how that then gets executed is really uh, you know still something we wrestle with on a daily basis frankly so it's we're nowhere near through that yet but it's a real challenge for the organizations i think on both sides um you know and if, you, if you're genuinely consumer centric then you just you just want to be where shoppers are Right? And at the moment, the truth is that most of them are in the store. So the store is hugely important, let alone the fact that most of the sort of grocery stuff is tends tend to be picked from the store anyway. So you want to make sure that, you know, that that's right. And so we, we try and map out that journey and show up in the most appropriate way, um, you know, which is much more about understanding the consumer journey. That's why data is such an important part of this whole equation, that the more you understand about the journey that the consumer is going on, the, the more likely you are to show up at the most relevant point with the best message that, that they want at that point. And so we spend a lot of time thinking about, you know, the mission, the, sh the mission you're on, right? How do you actually shop? What's in your head? You know, you're not thinking necessarily about a list. You're thinking, I've got people coming around Saturday. I need to get this in. So I need these things. You know, that's, that's the sort of the mental journey people go on. And so how do we become part of that journey and solve the problems for them? Because back to the point we made earlier, which is the consumer has to win here. And the role of retail media networks is to make their lives better or cheaper or whatever that is, right? In the same way, I mean, I'm old enough to have been a shopper marketeer back in my past. And we, we used to say the same thing, right? It was just, it was all about cardboard and display and dumpings and displays and stuff. We just, we're able now to use technology to be much smarter about how we deploy those kind of tactics. Harry Horn, VP of Global Marketing at digital media network specialist Scala, offered his own advice for retailers and brands looking to optimise the effectiveness of marketing communications through digital screen networks. His company specialises in creating powerful, visually engaging customer digital content experiences in store and on shelf. 
He shared his insight with me when he stopped by our podcast booth on day two. They are looking for connecting the dots. It's a bit of a cliche, but that's what they are. Where, of course, uh, combining endemic with uh, ad spend and how to find the optimum in that mix, so to say, where that is different for one retailer to the other or for one brand to the other. So especially finding that mix, that is what, what people are looking for. So, uh, of course, we've got in-store concepts which are reusable or usable as a base, but definitely the the output, the data, uh, the return on investment, and also the eyeballs that we can create, so to say, is different per brand and per store and per chain. Um, nothing is, let's say, off the shelf. On one hand, creating that in-store activation where we can deliver anything and everything, so to say. So from a concept to creative, to software, hardware, the tablets, the digital shelf fetch displays, and then connecting that with uh, sensor technology. So for example, uh, carts and shopping baskets that are tagged with a sensor that we can pick up and combining walk paths and dwell time and heat maps with exactly uh, the message which is displayed on the screen and make that hyper-targeted. And we can do it all in that sense. And that is, I think, the thing that makes us unique next to a global footprint and a global rollout possibility. Definitely uh, uh, leave things open to try because if you don't, and if you just invest and go one route only, then you will be missing certain opportunities because there will be a difference in geolocation, in location of your store in the city, outside of the city, uh, depending also on products that you do have on the shelf and you don't, uh, differences between the A, the B, and the C size stores, the flagship stores. There's a lot of difference there. And if you just go one route only, you will definitely miss opportunity. That brings us to the end of this, the second in our daily event review episodes from here at Shop Talk Europe 2023 in Barcelona. In our next episode, we'll bring you more highlights from the final day of the event with the top names in retail. Be sure to tune in. But for now, I'm Carl McKeever. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Retail Exchange podcast. Subscribe online at theretailexchange.co.uk and join the debate on Twitter, hashtag retailexchange. Thanks for listening. <laughs>